0: and welcome to Ryan Ransom Reveals. I'm Ryan Ransom. And today, we're revealing the problem and opportunities for improvement within customer service and the sales industry, especially since post-COVID. Now, today's episode, we're going to be mostly highlighting the problem because first, we really need to understand what's broken before we could dive into how to fix it. But fear not. In the very next episode, we're going to get into all the solutions. So, first, I'd like to start by kind of painting a general picture. So, here we are in this post COVID world, and we're feeling free. We're no longer caged in, and we're finally emerging from our apartments. So, where is the first place that we want to go? Out for dinner. And so what do we do? We call our friends, and then we meet at our favorite spot that we could now dine in instead of these endless to goes. And we're excited, right? We're ready for a taste of the good old days, and so we want to get online to make a reservation and scope out this new menu. But we see that the hours have changed, and now they're closed for lunch. Plus, they're closed on Mondays and Tuesdays. But of course, we're still excited to go out. But something doesn't feel quite right. This almost feels like a knockoff of the original. And wait, the prices! Everything on this menu is more expensive now, right? So it's obvious that inflation sure didn't skip over the hospitality industry. And... We'll deal with all of this without complaining, much or out loud, because we are still excited to get a taste of what we've been missing. But wait, where is everyone? Where's that warm and welcoming feeling of hospitality? We used to have a host and more wait staff. Where is everybody? these familiar faces have been now replaced with self-service kiosks. And if we're lucky enough to have real humans, they now have an attitude of almost annoyance. And certainly not of the hospitality that we were previously used to. And I think we as owners and operators know this all too well. And so when I show up to consult Here's the first question everyone always asks me. Can you help me find qualified staff that actually wants to work? Can you help us find good people? Where are you finding your talent? Are you having trouble hiring too? And then they tell me that all their friends in the business, they're complaining about the exact same issues. And when they get together for their morning uh, coffee and powwow sessions, this is the main topic that comes up. So there's that old saying, right, that good help is hard to find. And as true as that may have been before, in this post-COVID world, is it even more difficult now? And I would be willing to bet, not just a little bit more difficult, but like a lot more difficult. Like the game is leveled up 15 times instantly, without warning, or without really enough time for us to properly adjust. So the question is, has the pool of qualified applicants really shrunk? Have the employee demands... Really increased? And then the problem is it doesn't end there. Because then once we've hired someone, and we think that we've solved this problem, that we're done, right? Catastrophe averted. But not so fast. It feels like now half the time, once they're onboarded, we've been catfished. They're not who they say they were. And then sometimes we doubt that they were ever truthful about their experience in the first place. Because now we're discovering we're going to have to explain the same basics to them. And not just once, but time and time and time again. And now we're finding ourselves spending more of what we consider to be our own time... Or our manager's bandwidth on this? Why are we consistently retraining them? And I'm sure we've all had that feeling like, I'd just be better off doing this myself. Or thinking, damn, man. If there's just a better applicant pool out there, I could just can this person and replace them with the right fit. Even if that was an option, what about the modern world of employees' rights? And now, instead of building your business, you're all of a sudden in this case-building mentality, trying to cross off the right boxes just so you could term this person without the fear of a lawsuit or a payout. And all of that wasted effort takes away from what you are supposed to be doing. We ask ourselves, how can I focus on the opportunities to increase my bottom line when I'm babysitting or constantly searching for decent help? This isn't why we got into leadership or ownership or management, is it? So the next question is always, Ryan, are you having this problem too? And my quick and simple answer is no. I'm not. And the reason is, is my make my environments irresistible. But so let's take a second and let's break some of this down. And so we're going to put this into bite-sized pieces so we could understand why. So first off, I think one of the major problems that we're experiencing is a disappearance in the familiarity and the warmth in service. Things are feeling cold now when you go out and you interact with these businesses. And now, don't get me wrong. These issues were already existing before we got into COVID. However, if we're being honest, COVID was an accelerator here. And what started is just like cracks have now turned into absolute gorges. And now you really can see a very large contrast between the past and the present of service experiences. And this is within sales or in hospitality. And one major difference that I have seen is the absence of what used to be regular and consistent staff. That warm and welcoming hospitality. It feels like consistent and familiar and seasoned professionals have now been replaced with an Never ending rotation of probational trainees who just honestly don't care. And just this week, I've seen multiple service employees with headphones in and listening to the music or being on their phone while servicing a customer. And if that's not bad enough, I also saw an employee who is working at a checkout stand who is actively swiping either on social media or dating apps, and you could watch the reaction on his face as whatever he was scrolling through. And this was happening while he was helping a customer. There was a line of people building up because of his slow and very uninterested performance. And this poor old lady that was at the checkout stand, like with him, you should have seen the bewildered look on her face. She was completely unsure of how to handle this situation. Since this probably was the first time in her 70 or 80 years on this planet that she's ever dealt with anything like this. So now I think that part of what's contributing here, which is also another problem in of itself, which is the next part we're going to get to, is the rise of automation and AI. There's a shift towards these impersonal service methods, like these self-service kiosks. And so the question is, why would that employee from the previous story that I just told, why would he want to deal with customers when there's a self-service kiosk just right here, 10 feet away? Now, he probably doesn't realize that if that machine is doing its job properly, it's going to take away the reason that he's even been hired. There's going to be no function left for him. Thus, he's going to be out of a job. But in his short-sighted vision, he's probably thinking, Oh God, these customers are so annoying. Just come on, go to the self-service kiosk and check out there. And because these companies are investing and pouring their resources into AI and self-service machines, they're cutting back on managers and complete staffs and proper training. And this is only making the problem worse, leaving those employers more frustrated at their unprepared human staff. And instead of realizing that it's a lack of training or being short-staffed that's causing them this, it's really their greed. But since they can't see that, then they think the solution is more machines, which only is going to lead to a further decay of the employee morale and effort. And even as a consumer, I don't get it. These self-service kiosks are asking us to do their job functions for free. And we just discussed how bad many of these people are at their own jobs. And now you think they're going to come in to some other person's job while not at work and do that person's job well? Are you crazy? Like, while you're swiping your own groceries... You could literally look over your shoulder, and 10 feet away is a paid employee doing the exact same job function. But for a wage, and they're not even offering us a discount to be doing this. And then I wonder why that utilizing the self-service checkout technology has a loss rate of more than twice the industry average. In dollars, it was over $110 billion in loss last year. And I was recently at a sit-down restaurant, and after they dropped the check, I tried to pay the waiter directly, and he he had rejected my attempt and told me I needed to get up and go walk over to the self-service kiosk and complete my payment myself over there. Now, I've always taught my staff that rapid payment processing was one of the keys in generating high tip percentages. And this leads to higher guest satisfaction, which brings them back. And an otherwise perfect service experience can be ruined if you leave the guest sitting around and wondering if you're going to process a payment. But now, what do you think having to get up and fight with a machine and leaving the company and my guest is going to do to that tip percentage? And what wait staff is now going to want to continue to work somewhere that's killing their take-home income? Not to mention... What stops people from just walking over to the kiosk, pretending like they're doing something, and then just walking out? It's kind of like when you walk up to the self-service stations at the grocery store, and there's already an existing charge on that screen, right? You've seen this? So obviously, the person right before you, whether out of ignorance or out of intent to steal, scanned their items and left without completing payment processing. And let me give you one more example I think that we could all probably relate with. When I was younger, you'd call a customer service company and you'd fairly quickly get a native English speaker. And these persons, people, had knowledge of the product or the service that you were calling in about. And if they couldn't help you, they would then get you to a person who could. And it was a pretty painless process. Maybe there would be a slight wait, and I remember at this time thinking, like, if the call volume was high and I had to wait for just like a mere five minutes, then that company should solve the problem in which was causing that flux in customer service issues. Or they should hire more agents. But then instead, they did the opposite. And in order to increase their profits, they fired those agents and they moved everything overseas. And now we're still waiting, but now it's gone from five minutes max to five minutes minimum. And when I finally do get someone, it's an agent with a limited ability to speak or understand our language. And they're strictly adhering to a script. And there's no solutions. And there's no transfers to a department that's knowledgeable. It's just a bunch of circular nonsense now that only breeds bad feelings for that business. And now if that wasn't bad enough, now all the big brains of those executives, they're now subbing all that work out to even a cheaper labor force. AI machines. And I have to tell you what. If I'm calling a company with a simple question or an issue, after I'm done talking to that robot for five minutes, who's having to repeat myself over and over because it can't understand... And then when I asked for an operator or a representative, I met with, sure, but let me ask you a few more questions to get you to the right person. Are you kidding me? You can't understand the answers I was giving you for the first few questions. I'm consistently repeating and rephrasing what I'm saying. And this is exactly why I want a human representative. But now I have to talk and answer this computer even more. And what happened to just be able to press 1 for accounting, press 2 for technical issues, press 3 for billing? That worked fine. What doesn't work is this AI customer service. And honestly, like, what an oxymoron. What possibly could be more impersonal? And now when I finally do get to a person, I'm no longer in the good mood I called in on. Now I'm kind of pissed that I've had to repeat myself 15 times. And I've asked customer service reps about this when I've called in and they tell me over and over again that since these companies that they work for have introduced these AI customer service, the people calling in by the time they get to the human are noticeably more irritated and upset than they were before. And doesn't this seem to be exactly opposite of the problem or the purpose? So let's go over the issues. One, there's a global talent shortage. And there's rapid technological advances and an aging workforce and educational gaps are all big factors. And I'm reading reports that Gen Z has become less desirable to hire because they tend not to want to adhere to traditional models. And while we could blame Gen Z entirely, adversely, I would like to point out that they watched both their parents working full-time jobs and doing everything right. And then in 2008 their parents still lost their homes and their savings. And there didn't seem to be any loyalty to the worker. The workers sacrificed all their time and their loyalty and their friends, their family and their personal enrichment. They did everything like they were told, and yet they were still struggling. We saw it again in 2020 with COVID. People who had played by the rules and sacrificed plenty of late nights and weekends, people who had been loyal to their company throughout, This loyalty, they thought it would be reciprocated. But yet they found themselves laid off and terminated before the first two weeks of flattening the curve was even over. There was no loyalty to these employees who had sacrificed so much for so many years. The only loyalty was to their own pocketbooks. And maybe their stockholders. So, Gen Z probably thinks, what's the point? If I'm going to struggle and work 40 hours a week doing a job I hate, or I could struggle working 20 hours a week doing something I enjoy on a schedule I control, can you really blame them for being weary of following in their parents' footsteps when they saw them get burned twice? And also, while I keep hearing that there's this global shortage of workers, yet at the same time, nonstop, I'm reading and seeing articles. And stories of massive layoffs. And everybody that I know who's out of work, they're telling me they're applying to hundreds of jobs with no reply. I was recently talking to a friend, and they said after months of looking and sending out resumes and filling out all the online applications at each of these different places, that they applied to over a thousand jobs without even getting one human response or interview. Now, recently, this person was finally hired for a job, but only because they went to the same college and was a member of the same fraternity as the recruiter. And so, yes, while he was happy to finally be employed again, this process left a really bad taste in his mouth. And it's kind of terrified him to step out of line and to be back in this same situation, have to repeat this process. So he's now more willing to stay put in a bad job, but it's also less fulfilling. And what's that going to do to his productivity? And maybe that's going to motivate him just enough to not get fired, but he's still continuing to look for something else that's more rewarding. So it almost feels like even though there is a demand for an employee, the owners of the workplace also want to scare you and remind you, don't question them or else this will be your fate too. And while the narrative is that there is an increase in demands and expectations from the employees, what I know that's really increased is rent and gas and food. And these people just want a living wage and not to die from some small ailment because they couldn't afford basic health care. So what we need to do is we need to find common ground here. The next thing, number two, is we have a changing workforce demographic and expectations. And this kind of goes with what we were saying, but this isn't 1950s. And the organizations need to adapt their hiring practices and their workplace policies to attract and retain these younger generations of workers. This is the future. And this does go back to this first point. We still have to manage and have employee relations. But it's not like when our grandparents were in the workplace. And again, we can't just blame it on these new workers. We have to recognize that everything in nature ebbs and flows. And just ask the dinosaurs, like, what happens when you refuse to adapt? We are in the now, today. And this will become our future. So we need to stop solely relying on the past for those answers. Number three is remote work is in high demand and it's on the rise. And so for some models, this is gonna work. For others, it's not. But let's remember this. We're interested in results here. What I really want is productive team members that are task-orientated. If the functions are being completed at a high level, Do I care how that's happening? And if you have a business that could evolve and thrive with these remote workers, instead of seeing this as all negatives, can we not see that there's opportunities here? That we could reduce the need for wasted square footage or rent. But at the same time, this doesn't mean to just let these people run wild, right? If managed and motivated properly, you could still maintain a cool and positive culture. There's plenty that we can do to maintain effective communication, team building cohesion, or managing performance from a distance. Next, three, I think, is there seems to be more competition for talent, or at least good talent. And this increased competition has been driving up salaries and benefits with some companies. And it's making it harder for smaller companies and businesses to compete with these larger corporations for skilled workers. There's a huge population that's uninterested in not investing themselves in themselves or their potential employers. Okay, this is true. So what? What are you going to do about it? We can cry about it. Or could realize again that this is the future and we need to find a solution together. We need to provide pay and rent that buys food because these things, these needs haven't magically disappeared. So, lucky for us employers, people are still going to need jobs. The question is how do I make my environment irresistible? And here's the thing some people are going to figure this out and they're going to adapt while others are going to drag their feet. But eventually, we are going to come to a point where every business is either going to have to copy the successful models or go BK. The next thing is, I think we're on four or five, is diversity, equality, and inclusion, right? The DEI, the incentives. And this is ensuring recruitment practices are unbiased and inclusive, which is great, And this may require some overhauling of some traditional hiring practices. Now, this gets dicey. And I'm going to handle this a little bit with kid gloves for my own self-preservation, since I am occupying an online space here. But here's the thing. What I need, like we just said, is production. What I need is buy-in. What I need is loyalty. And what I know is that these things come in every single shape and size and color. And I realized that what's being normalized and argued online and what's happening in the real world are actually two very different things. And there's a lot of unhappy and unmotivated people who dominate these online spaces and make amazing keyboard warriors and trolls. And this can feel overwhelming when they turn their anger on you. So we're scared. And we've allowed ourselves in many ways to be held hostage. But... If you're starting with checking off these diversity boxes and then getting to the skill and the loyalty second, you're going to be in big trouble. Good teams for me have always been diverse, period. And every team I've ran has had every kind of person from every walk of life. And to go a step further than that, the greater the diversity the greater your appeal and power and perspectives that are available to you within your organization. So it's not about checking these boxes. What it's about is finding great people. And it's about avoiding the cancerous employees that are going to drag you down and distract you and your whole team. This is a collective. And when done right, the winning team, and then every member of that team, is winning and being rewarded And that is good for everybody, no matter how you identify. Next is there's economic uncertainty and volatility, right? Companies may be a little bit hesitant right now to commit to new hires or opting for contract work or temporary workers instead. And this affects the job security and the employee loyalty. And just as the employees are wary, this distrust is growing on both sides. So as one pulls back, so does the other. And we can play the chicken and egg all day long. But let's find solutions that recognize reality. Yeah, man. Things are super uncertain right now. It's a wild world that we find ourselves in. And I don't have a crystal ball. But what I do know is there's billions of great people out there who want the best for themselves and their families and their communities. And so whether it's temporary or short-term or long-term or contract... If we have respect and we do what's right, things will be fine. If you build a genuine positive culture and you have an irresistible environment, then you're going to find yourself surrounded by amazing talent. Next is the challenges of the owners and operators of finding staff. So like I mentioned in the intro, it's very common for me to receive Questions about hiring and retaining motivated staff. This is probably the first and most prevalent question that I do get. And these poor guys are in search of staff nonstop and they're paying thousands to job apps to post and highlight and promote their job postings. They're paying to promote, they're paying to post, they're paying for responses or to be highlighted. So not only are they not retaining staff, but they're running with inexperienced or under-trained staff, and they're paying a premium to do so. They're not in demand. They are in the submissive position and begging for help. And of course, this comes off desperate. And it's not, and it will not attract top talent. This will only further power this downward spiral, leaving them desperate for more and more staff. So, in my operational world, I often preach against paying overtime, and we'll get into this in later episodes. I despise overtime. It's a glaring sign of poor management. And these are their lack of skills and their lack of inability to forecast operations or to have adequate staffing. And for me in the restaurant business, who's already running on razor thin margins, I don't have an extra 50% just to blow on labor because we can't plan or retain good people. So if I feel this way about overtime, imagine how I feel about paying job posting apps to find people. My God, man. If your business is worth working at, people should be wanting to work for you. If finding and retaining staff is your issue, then this should be a wake up call that either the gross pay or gross sales per shift or your tip percentage or the working environment isn't up to par. Simply, your environment isn't irresistible. Because if it were, You'd have tons of guests spending their money at that place. And then that would have you fully staffed with employees who value that job. And I do understand. And I don't want to minimize the escalating difficulty. It is hard to find good help. But let's stop and analyze that saying that good help is hard to find. And let's look at it in the current context. Well, yes, I definitely sympathize. But also... Is it really? Because I know for certain that if your environment was irresistible, good help would be falling from the ceiling. You would have a pile of top-notch resumes on file. But on top of that, you'd have friends and families and associates that come fully vetted from your current staff and regulars who would love to be a part of your organization. Next, after the hire, we have the dilemma of ineffective employees. And now, as employers, we're facing these new challenges after hiring, right? Both in the misrepresentation of skills and this constant retraining that follows. And if you're in a bind and you're hiring now as a reaction, you're having to skip some of that full training. And then you know this problem all too well, I bet, because you're not in demand. The employee is. And now let's add in all these AI built resumes. See, before I could get a sense of the future production or at least some of the effort that an employee by the quality or the thoroughness of their resume. But now, not only is AI creating these beautiful looking resumes with all the right spacing and punctuation, but AI is a liar. And it's going to create a perfect looking set of skills or past employment. That will make a D employee look like an A employee. And so now your issue is exacerbated. And the function and need has now gone longer without that skilled person in that role. So you're in a bigger bind. And you need to terminate this poor hire and deal with the drama that may ensue. And now more rapidly hire that replacement. Skipping even more training. And putting them into a sink or swim situation. And that's Horrible for employee morale, and a killer to your customer satisfaction. Furthermore, what about the frustration and ineffectiveness that this causes your management? Instead of focusing on growing sales, and creating promotions, and creating genuine positive relationships, and trust with your staff, you're distracted with hiring over and over again. And you're distracted by following proper termination protocols and and procedures. And these issues are brought on by more poor-producing staff. So now what? This revolving door of bad hires with no experience and training is leaving management ownership? Feeling the temptation to just handle these tasks oneself? Due to all of this inadequate staffing... And again, this is not the reason that we became operators. The struggle with employee rights and the complexity of termination, employee retention challenge, developing effective retention strategies, such as career development opportunities or competitive compensation or a positive work culture. This is critical. I mean, this is all I've been talking about as far as the issues go, right? Right. Because no one wants to feel disrespected. No one wants to work in an unfair or disloyal place. Retention is the matrix that reflects you as the owner, not the employee. And throughout my career, I've prided myself on extremely high retention rates. And this is all part of having an irresistible environment. Notice, I never said, create a beautiful facade or create lures or funnels. We're not capturing or tricking people here. We're collaborating and we're building long-lasting relationships. You don't want to be replacing customers or employees. Training and recruitment is not only expensive, but it's a huge distraction. And you can't build a great pyramid like Giza without a massive and strong base. This is literally your foundation. So here's the last part of my personal insights on this. This is complex and it's multifaceted and there's not going to be any one size fits all cookie cutter solutions here, I promise. And most especially coming from these antiquated ideas taught in most traditional business schools. The solutions are going to have to come from innovation and it needs to be personalized to each business and their goals. And unfortunately, some things are probably going to end up getting worse as each side continues to exacerbate the issues. And if we don't start finding common ground and solutions that involve compromise for both sides, we're going to be headed towards a job market civil war. And I'm not trying to fear monger you here, but let me paint a picture. If you open up a pocket watch and you look in the back, you're going to see all sorts of parts and Wheels and gears and sprockets and springs. And some of these wheels and gears are going to stand out because they're big and they're shiny and they're important looking. And so obviously, if you pull out one of those golden gears, that watch is going to stop telling time. But now, let's find the smallest, ugliest, most humble looking, the most insignificant wheel or spring. And now remove that. Guess what? the watch again stops telling time. The workplace is the same way. We all need each other for this thing to work. We all must be intrinsically interested in the same shared goals. And if only the executives and the owners are tied to the profits, then the vast majority of the employees are going to see no correlation and be ready for a lot of Ain't shit employees that just don't care about your profits. And also these computers, machines, and AI, they ain't shit either. Some of these things can be automated and in doing so has benefits to all society. Like let's get the auto correct or the voice of text working better. Or maybe the self-opening doors or improved Google Maps or a wardrobe mirror that tells you if you're matching. Or maybe a refrigerator that tells me if I don't eat an item today, it's going to go bad. But maybe let's take a breath on trying to have robots steal people's jobs. Just so a couple of stockholding millionaires have a few more millions. And let's also remember that these robots and AI, they're only as smart as the people who've programmed them. They're not thinking independently for themselves, there's no creativity. They're following a program. Hell. AI still can't even image hands right without the proper amount of fingers. And you want to trust this thing to run your business? So here's my closing thoughts. In episode one, I talked about how this podcast is going to be positive, And it's going to focus on solutions. And we're going to be the ray of light. And then here I am, right? Right into episode two, and we're just diving into nonstop issues. And maybe I felt like I was doing a little bit of complaining today and being a negative Nancy. But let's remember that this is just a problem. And it can be negative if you want. But we are going to be positive. And so every issue is really just an opportunity for improvement. So let's keep that mindset. And then two, these next 14 episodes that we're going to be doing are all going to be addressing the solutions and how we could create improvement out of these opportunities. The very next episode. Episode 3. Is going to be a promise of this solution. And a brief overview of that solution. We're only going to reveal. The power of positive culture. And this solution. Won't just apply to restaurants. But to all businesses. All fields. But even beyond that. Positive culture extends into our personal lives. Our educational lives. And even politics and social and current events. So. I want to thank you for tuning in for another episode of Ryan Ransom Reveals. And I would love to hear from you in the comments. Please tell me, what issues are you seeing right now in the workplace? What problems are plaguing you? What's making your job as a manager or even as an employee more difficult? Put these problems in the comments. And as we progress over the next couple of shows... I'm going to look at all those problems that I haven't addressed, and we're going to find solutions to those as well. Thank you again for tuning in to Ryan Ransom Reveals, and I'll see you next week.